being a tech lead, I mean, the title has tech in there and it's it's no mistake that anybody thinks that most of my time goes into uh, writing code and making sure the technology is built the way we want it. You can legally watch YouTube videos at your work and you'll be proud of it. <laughs> that is true. So I would give myself the suggestion to decode the professions that are in there and, and try to see if that is something that you would be interested in. Hey guys, it's Saga here and you are listening to Which Profession, a podcast in which I'm interviewing people who will tell you about their professions, what they do in their jobs and a lot more. In this episode, I'm interviewing Vishnu Totakura, who is a tech lead of an educational startup called Sage. Vishnu will tell about his profession as a tech lead and more about what he does in the daily work life. He will decompose different tech-related professions such as programmer, developer, software engineer and software architect. And he will also give lots of insights into various tech-related degrees, such as IT, software engineering, and computer science. That was a short summary of what is awaiting for you, and I really hope you enjoy listening and learn something new. Hi, Vishnu. Thank you so much for having time to be a guest of this episode. You are the first one whom I'm interviewing who is from EdTech family. So I'm very excited about our interview. And as usual with every episode, number one question that I start with is, what is your profession and what do you do at your work? First of all, thanks a lot for having me here. Uh, it's, it's, it's really great to be part of what you're trying to do. And I think it's really important, I know, which we'll also get into in the, in the later part of the podcast, why I'd say this is important to do this. But nevertheless, so I'm a tech lead. I work at a company called uh, The Life Company. Under this company, we're trying to build products in ed tech, education tech, and uh, health industry. Our current product is Sage, which is an ed tech platform, which we are soon going to rename to Savvy. But nevertheless, it is a learning and development platform for companies, enterprises. As, a, as an engineering lead, I'm responsible for everything tech or IT in the company. The responsibilities of a tech lead might be a bit different depending on the size of the company. But since we are a startup, I'm responsible for pretty much everything related to engineering or tech. So this would mean hiring new engineers, deciding on what technologies to use, what infrastructure is put in place for the, for the product. Um, how do we deploy the code that we write, maintaining the applications that we develop, I mean, obviously writing the code itself. Amazing. That's, I was like, when you were telling me the first three points, I'm like, when are you coding? Because that's the first thing that when uh, people hear about technical professions, it's all about the yeah, coding. But in any case, it's, it's a very interesting job to be a tech lead. I see it's a combination of many, many aspects. And I assume you have many things to do at your work. Every day could be different. But if you can look at your, let's say, average day at work, how would you describe it? What kind of tasks do you do? Like I said before, I think this would also differ for every individual in, depending on the company that they work at and the responsibilities that they take up to. Um, for us being an early stage startup, every day is quite different. And if I have to think of an average workday, it's, um, well, firstly, it's quite messy. Uh, it's, it's a big challenge for me to uh, put everything in order and make sure that the day is as productive as possible. But maybe it's easier if I try to explain the process that, that we follow to build the product. And, and from there, I will 
put forward how the day goes. So firstly, what as, as a whole team, what we do is try to research the problems that we want to solve for our users, which is a very important part. And once we decide on what problems to solve, depending on different criteria, we would then estimate the solutions that we would build for them, find technical solutions or maybe non-technical solutions. And we then estimate and find a development process. And while the development is happening for this decision that we made, alongside, we also try to figure out what are the next problems to focus on and, and repeat the whole process for that again. Put it together in, in simpler terms, it would be research, planning, development, and maintenance of the whole application that we develop. And this cycle happens regularly and there is a big overlap between each cycles. So as an engineering lead or a tech lead and being the core team member for the startup, I'm present in pretty much all the parts of the process. So during the research, I, I try to talk to our users and see if there is any technical solutions that I can find for the problems they have. And then in the planning, we would then discuss about the solutions that are there, how long it will take to implement these solutions, uh, what are the alternatives that are available, and also the, obviously the development process where we actually write code or discuss with the development team, and then maintenance obviously to make sure the application is running as, uh, as effectively as possible without any issues for the users, etc. So in a given day, I'm working with pretty much everyone in the team, get into meetings with the, to the, with the users to figure out what problems to solve, understanding their problems, getting in calls with our product team to understand uh, the next set of features that we want to build or talking to my development team to understand if there's any problems that we are facing. So that summarizes my day and a little bit here and there, I get to write some code. And I think going forward, it will be lesser and lesser. What I really liked how you summarized basically your profession with three words, you are involved in research, planning and maintenance. I think that's a, a very good summary. So I liked how you explained it, but also it revealed to me a lot more about the tech lead profession, because before talking to you, I always, always thought, okay, coders code. But now you told me that you are involved into more, more things starting from talking to consumers, talking to your customers. And that's a, a big revelation for me. So you said that your average day is messy. That is also challenging because then you have to organize yourself. You, as, as you are in a startup, you have to be involved in many different roles. So could you please tell me what are other challenges that you face at work or even some difficulties? Well, the biggest challenge would be that being, being a tech lead, I mean, the title has tech in there and it's, it's no mistake that anybody thinks that most of my time goes into uh, writing code and making sure the technology is built the way we want it. So I need to be very aware of what are the different technologies that are out there, emerging technologies, existing technologies, what are the pros and cons for these technologies? What are the good use cases for these technologies? The challenge is that I need to limit myself to certain technologies and say, okay, this is what I will focus on now. And learning a technology, no matter how good you are, would take you a little more time than just a couple of weeks or days. And if you're focusing on one technology, you would focus on that. And that means you cannot focus on other things during that period of time. And being someone who is in the field of tech, because because it's exciting, because you can solve so many problems uh, writing code, 
uh, it's very hard for me to say, okay, I will focus on this for the next one month and not focus on the other two technologies that are out there, which I can also use to solve some other problem, which is relevant for our users. So every day it's a struggle for me to figure out, okay, should I switch my focus to the other one or should I stick to this one? Um, and what problems are there? There is a constant struggle in me to, to think of new technologies that are coming up, trying to understand them at the moment that I see them. At the same time, trying to do those enormous amount of things that are already on our plates for the product. It's, um, yeah, that's, that has to be the biggest challenge. So Vishnu, you mentioned before a lot about using different technologies. And for a non-tech person, I would be really interested what you mean when you say different technologies. Could you please give some examples so we understand it better? Sure. When we say technologies, we mean at different scales. So for example, AI, machine learning, um, augmented reality, these are all these are technologies um, at, a, at a very broader sense. Um, and also chatbots like Alexa, Google Home, or Siri, which are voice assistants, and there's also Messenger or WhatsApp bots. Those are different kind of technologies. If we would wrap up the challenges, what you said, and I see it clearly that as a tech lead, you should be able to understand what technology currently fits the existing problem. And when there are so many technologies out there, you should be able to understand pluses and minuses of each technology and to go for one. And sometimes it can be very challenging. And, but, but on the other hand, you also mentioned that some part of your job are very exciting. For example, problem solving. What other things would you find very exciting at your job? So, so the most challenging part has to be the exciting part as well. Um, the, the, like I said before, the reason that I'm in the, in the field of tech is because there's a lot more that you can do with your programming solutions and for me, I, I need to constantly understand these uh, and learning about these new technologies that are popping up and seeing different use cases for each of these technologies and, and following, say, for example, different podcasts or different YouTube channels to see different products that are coming up in these technologies and how they are solving the problems, which is a very big part of my job as well, just to make sure that, I mean, I cannot really put that into the product directly, but that is a part of me acquiring knowledge so that I can find solutions for our product. And, and this is something that I really like about uh, doing this job is that I'm learning a lot of new things Interesting. You know what, when you said about that, you have to always do research and sometimes watch videos. I see the advantage is that you can legally watch YouTube videos at your work and you'll be <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> that is true. Cool. So now we, you already touched up on so many actually skills while you were talking about your profession. And I would like to really briefly touch upon what kind of soft skills one would need as a tech lead. You already mentioned that there should be desire to learn new things. Analytical thinking, I find very important because you should be able to compare different technologies, communication skills to understand your customers and problem solving skills. Did I miss anything? Are there any other important soft skills that you think are very important for a tech lead? No, I think you pretty much summarize most of them. Maybe one thing you missed is sort of leadership and managerial. It's well, managerial is definitely a, a requirement for anyone in a leading position. 
you should be able to uh, run a team, um, make sure that they're able to run as productively as possible, and also that they are happy. And, and, and that is a very tough skill to acquire, uh, but that is definitely important. And then leadership is leadership skills come into a come into play also, especially for smaller companies and where you are representing the company to your team, to the outside world, where you need to constantly uh, make sure the motivation in the team is high. Everyone feels their best and wants to contribute to the product. Um, I think leadership and managerial, plus everything else that you mentioned. Especially for a tech lead, I feel like apart from having good soft skills, one should have very strong technical skills. And that I cannot say any example. So you have to now tell me what are very important tech skills. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to say what are the specific tech skills that one would need for a tech lead because it's, it's very broad because it, it comprises everything in tech, right? Um, so it's not easy to say. But if I take, for example, the product that we are building, it's a software as a service. So we offer a, a web page or, or web application where you visit by entering the URL and then you get to do things on it. So for us, we have certain technologies that we need to be aware of, say application server that is running on, on, on a machine. Uh, we use cloud to host our application. We use databases, we use logging systems, we use um, some security features on these systems. So in general, you as a tech lead needs to be aware of the technologies and definitely good at those um, that you immediately need to build the product. Uh, so in my case, I, I, would, I would have needed um, database uh, skills, analytics skill, analytics in the terms of tracking, etc hosting skills to make sure the application is developed and hosted on a cloud provider and web application development itself is needed. So yeah, there's these set of skills that you would definitely need to know um, and you should be good at them to make sure that you're able to build as fast as possible, at least for a, in a startup scenario where I had to be the one who has to build it initially until we had the team. And, and the other biggest thing is that you should be experienced enough or you should have enough skills to be able to look at a new technology and immediately judge whether that is fitting into your product solutions or whether you should use it, whether you should not use it. And if you decide to use it, you should be in a position where you are able to acquire the knowledge that is necessary for you to use that um, technology effectively. And, and, and I would say that is the biggest skill that anyone in a, in a lead position in, in the tech field should have. And anyone who is a senior, whether it's a senior software developer or senior programmer, they should have that skill. And that's also the skill that is... In the second part of this episode, I would like to listen to your journey from graduating from school until you became a tech lead. What kind of sequences of events happened to you? What kind of decisions you had to make? So let's start from, you graduated from school. How did you know where to apply? Actually, in which university you went and which degree you decided to follow? So my first education 
in, in the field of tech was master of science in software engineering. So I, I kind of skipped bachelor's degree there. Um, it's an integrated program, uh, which sort of covers all the bachelor topics and also the master's topics. And in the end, you get a master's degree after five years. Um, I did that in a university called Wellur Institute of Technology. It's a, in short VIT back in India. And in India, it's very common that you have campus placements. So where companies come to the come to the universities and do the interviews in your final year and they hire you. Well, I wasn't very particular on the companies that I would like to work for, nevertheless. Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to join the company called Code Brahma. Uh, they were a service-based company, was also a startup founded by one of the seniors from college. And I was pretty much their second employee. So it was a big decision for me there to join them because uh, that would be my first job after university. And the company is not well established back then. It was very new. They had only one other employee. So I wasn't sure, but at the same time, the work they were doing was pretty impressive in the terms that they were building web applications for different startups. So I nevertheless took the job, which I think was a very good decision. And with them, I worked for about one and a half years. Um, during this time, I managed to learn quite a, new, quite a few new technologies there because whatever I did in the university as the university projects or other side projects that I did, I did not use any of the tech that the company needed, but I was put on the job and I had to learn them, but I think their interview process proved them that I could learn. And during this one and a half years, I worked on about say um, five projects or a little more than that, all with the different teams um, and different companies on all of them startups. So that gave me a good understanding of different use cases and uh, how different teams work and how to build solutions for them the most effective way. And after that, I moved to Germany to do my master's in informatics. Um, I did that in TU Munich. As soon as I came to Munich, within a couple of weeks, I applied to um, for a job in the same technologies. And it was a job board. And I worked for them throughout my university time as a working student and after the university for about three years. During this period, and also my previous job, I, I was always trying to understand what it is that I would be in the future in a few years down the line. And for, for software engineers, I started as a software engineer and it, it is very obvious to us that, okay, you become a senior engineer and then you become either a software architect or a, or, or a lead. And from there you become, um, you get into more leader, leadership positions like say CTO or you found a company and things like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't a very conscious effort from my side as to figure out what exactly I want to do, but it was a conscious effort from my side to figure out in what field I want to be. So for example, right now I'm working for a software as a service company in the web that implies that it's web technologies and in the ad tech market. And that, so these are the decisions that I had to take. At the same time, to be a senior or to grow into a managerial slash leadership roles in the future, we just a while ago, we talked about different skills that you would need. Uh, we talked about the soft skills, uh, communication, leadership, managerial skills, and obviously the tech skills that you would need. 
so I somehow or put in effort to gain these skills very carefully. So from the beginning of my career, it's okay. What, whatever I'm saying, telling you now is, is not something that I consciously made an effort back then. Those just happened the way they happened. And if I look back now, that was a very good, good process that I took. So I'm just reflecting on those rather than um, saying that I consciously made all those uh, decisions. But nevertheless, so in the beginning of my career, if I think about it, it was mostly focusing on gaining more technical skills to understand um, where each of these technologies fit in, what are the use cases, and how would these solve different problems. At the same time, I also gained skills to be able to understand how technologies evolve. And if I look at a new technology that I'm able to understand what it means, what are the solutions uh, that it is offering, et cetera. So that was the big part. The next step for me was to focus on the soft skills, be it managerial or at least communicating with other team members effectively. Um, This also happened by chance. I would say it's not, again, a conscious decision for me. In my first job itself, I was put into managing the whole projects for the clients. Um, so I was the one who was communicating with the clients, communicating with the different team, with different teams. And as we hired more developers, then naturally I, I took up the responsibility of bringing them up to speed and things like that. And also at my most recent job, I also had very good uh, mentors. So I looked up to mostly these role models that I had, about three role models, I would say. And each of them had different set of skills. So I looked at them, tried to understand what it means to communicate more effectively, what it means to be a good manager. And then the next set of skills would be business skills that you would need, um, which I think we did not touch up on that in, in the previous question. So as a tech lead, technical solutions that you give should also consider the business. So that is something I realized halfway through my career so far that, okay, I'm able to get the technical skills and the soft skills uh, to a point where I can prove myself. But for me to excel in my career, I would also need business skills. And for this, I I took a very conscious decision to put in effort to understand why the businesses are making those decisions that they're taking. So this basically meant for me to approach the management and be like, hey, why are you doing this? why not do it this way? So they would then tell me, okay, no, Vishnu, this one would cost us more or this one is not feasible because of the other reasons. And and I think the biggest lesson there was that always ask the question because in a, in a bigger team, it's not in the interest for the management to keep communicating these decisions and the whys to everyone. But if you are someone who is trying to understand this, you should ask the questions. And I think everyone is more than happy to answer those. And once I think I had these three um, set of skills, tech, uh, soft skills, and the business skills, I think it was, that, that, that's when I realized that if I put all these skills together and use them effectively, then I would realize the biggest potential that is there in each of those skills. So as soon as you understood that you have these three most important skills, you thought that you could grow a lot more rather than being just a software engineer, but to grow more to a, a managerial role. And that's why you decided to, to take on a position of a tech lead. 
Correct. You mentioned very good points. And I liked how you said about the three building blocks of a tech leader. I like that we have this all the time, this keywords, you know, that describe certain, certain things. And you mentioned mm -hmm. that as a tech lead, there are three important blocks that have to be together. Technical understanding, and then on top builds up soft skills plus business understanding. And I like how you said that as a junior starter, you would naturally focus on building your technical skills. And as you move up the ladder, you will be building up soft skills and, and business skills. And when you have all these three skills, you will be ready to take on a higher position uh, being a tech lead or a, or a CTO. And I have a couple of questions. So you said that after graduating from school, you, you studied a degree in software engineering. And my question is, why did you go for software engineering? Why not anything else? Well, okay, I think we have to take into consideration that I'm from India and um, it's, it's <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, it's, it's a very common practice um, there culturally that you are, you are encouraged to get into either computer science or, or medical fields. So in my case, it wasn't very different. I, I think it also has to do with, with the awareness that everyone has there even when I look back at the time where I was making these decisions as to which field to get into, on my horizon, I could only see my uncles or my brother who have been in the software, software industry. I was like, okay, that seems to be the good one to go for. So, for. so for me, there weren't so many options that I could think of back then. Well, that is not to say that I would have taken something else because I'm very happy with where I am right now but it would have been just helpful to know just what else is out there. So, yeah, and also I think in general, I was very fascinated by computers. Um, I still remember the, the, the days where we had our first computer at home and I used to, well, mostly playing games for sure. But at the same time, um, I had my brother who is also in the software industry and he used to do things and I used to just sit next to him and just, keep looking at him, even if he's writing a document or doing something with the networking, connecting other computer to this. Um, so it felt very natural to me to actually start learning about computers, um, start doing something with computers. So it never felt like I'm doing something that is something that I have to learn completely new or, or not intuitive to me. So naturally I went into the software engineering field it's interesting. I love to listen to the stories, how they decided, because one would think, oh, yeah, people decide because they think 10 years in advance, they already know what to do. And that's why they decide. But when you listen to stories, it's more or less like I looked at my brother or I thought this was cool or I just made the decision without thinking too much. So I love yeah. I loved hearing your story. Thank you so much for that. I, I have many questions related to choosing a degree because you said that you first of all did that degree in, in software engineering and then you did masters in informatics so many different words for me that describe the same thing i mean informatics and software engineering computer science is there any difference between these degrees yes if you look at the definitions there definitely is but you might not really realize the differences if you're looking at the curriculums for these courses, for example. So to, to give a simple example, 
computer science has to do with the very details of the computers itself. There you would understand, you would learn about what a computer memory is, what a RAM is, and, and what the CPU is, and how they work together, and, and how they make sure that the programs that you write are working more effectively. And while doing computer science, you also learn how to write programs, um, how to uh, develop, say, some particular technology, for example. But the, the focus of the course usually would be at the bare metals of the computers itself, the basics and things like that. And when you go to informatics or information technology, the focus would be a little high level than, than computer science. You would still learn programming. You would still learn uh, how to write effective programs and things like that. But uh, a well-structured informatics or information technology course would be a little high level where you look at, okay, what do you do with these with the information or the data that you have, like databases or distributed systems? So how do, how do you effectively manage those systems? How do you develop most effective software systems, et cetera? And now when you compare IT and IT's information technology and computer science to software engineering, you would still learn bits of computer science and IT in software engineering, but your focus mostly will be at the whole process of building software. So what, what do I mean by that is, you probably heard of um, agile methods like Scrum or Kanban. So these are all software engineering processes. And the engineering part basically means that you learn about um, how to gather requirements for the software. How do you manage the requirements? How do you talk to the users and understand these requirements? How do you convert these requirements into technical requirements? How do you convert these to technical solutions? How do you manage the project? So that is the Scrum process. Or how, what is Scrum? What is Kanban? Why do you need those? And what are change requests? And how do you manage the change requests in the whole software development process? Um, so those would be the, the things that you would learn in a well-structured software engineering program. And at the same time, you would definitely learn about the technologies, uh, the most common ones that you learn in computer science and IT as well. But internally, the focus will be a little different. Thank you. That was the th something that I never understood. All these words sound great. I had no idea what's the differentiation between them. And now I see that the basis for everything is basically being able to write the code. But on mm -hmm. top of that, each one focuses on different things you mentioned. And I sure. think that's very helpful for anyone who is now interested in, in computers or coding, but they don't know to which university to go and which degree to pursue because all of them sound so different. And your explanation was, for me at least, was very helpful if I would be now deciding uh, which yeah. computer science or what IT or, or software engineering to go to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think it's also not very easy to see that from the curriculums in the universities. So, so I would suggest anyone who is looking at these courses and deciding what to take to actually look at the curriculums and see if they like the, if they, if they see what they expect in there. So it's, it's likely that the universities also don't realize these uh, intricate details of the differences in these programs. But yeah, it's up to the individual to see the curriculum and realize, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And the description of the different studies you mentioned 
all the basis of all of those different degrees is being able to write a program. And that's also being able to write a program means knowing a programming language. I know there are so many programming languages. Does every university teach the same set of programming languages and then you decide to focus or how does it work? Okay, first, before I answer that question, um, I, I want to say that the goal of those programs or the courses is not to make sure that you're able to write code. I mean, that is definitely um, a part of it. You would end up out when you graduate from these, you will know how to write programs and uh, write code. But the, the goal would be to understand different aspects of the whole software uh, development itself. Um, so that I would like to highlight. But now that it's coming back to the question of uh, which programming languages do the universities usually teach or if they have the basic ones that they teach. Well, they, I think most of the universities stick to the basic programming languages like say C++ or C, Java, et cetera, or Python. Uh, but these days you look at universities evolving into the more, more high level programming languages. But I think even though they teach the more uh, basic programming languages. I mean, using the word basic is probably not the right one. But what I mean is that these are old programming languages. They've been evolved uh, over time. But the good thing about them is that they're so basic in their nature that as you learn these programming languages, you also, you're also sort of forced to learn the concepts in programming in general and, and the and how programs communicate with the computers, the, hard, the hardware itself. Um, so these are very good places to start with. And I think it's okay for universities to start with those. But in the end, as, as you progress in your university, you would end up working on different programming languages. So you definitely do C++, C, Java, for example, and then maybe you get into Python, you may have the opportunity to work on new programming languages like Golang or, or Node.js, et cetera. But whatever you do, I think it's okay to focus on one programming language or a few programming languages and not know about other programming languages. So one thing I, I get asked very often from people who are in the university, the students, or someone who's trying to get into the university is that, which programming languages should I focus on? I would say first stick to whatever the university is teaching you right now. And whenever you have an option or a choice of programming languages, then don't think too much about it. Try to take the programming language that it's that seems easy for you. And in the end, what happens is that as you learn a programming language, you're not just learning the language, you're learning the concepts behind programming. And those are the same in all the programming languages. There are a few differences here and there, but once you learn a programming language, you can take your knowledge and learnings from that to any other programming language. There's a small learning curve, but, but that's it. And you can also uh, learn your, the different languages yourself once you know how the basics work. Correct. Interesting. So the basic constructs and the concepts, the patterns and how you write the programs, will very much stay the same. There are a few concepts that each programming language differs in, and that's also because they have different use cases. Interesting. That's something new to me, but 
now now I understand because I have heard that you know in the job description as well they write that we need somebody who is specialized in and then the programming language. Right. Uh, true. The another point that I want to touch upon is that so the biggest it's two things about programming languages, right? One is those are the things that you use to actually communicate with the computer and and do the things that you want the computer to do and to build your solution. That's one. And the second that program languages do is get you a job in the end. Um, just like you said, the job descriptions say, hey, we want someone who's good at this programming language. They don't say we want someone who's good at programming in general. That is true. So if you are thinking in that direction, it's always best to look at what these uh, what programming languages are most commonly used in the industry and try to then focus on those languages if, if you are really worried about it. But in general, I would say more than the programming languages, try to think of which fields you want to be in. So for example, AI, machine learning, augmented reality, web application development, um, distributed systems, et cetera. First focus on which ones that you want to do there. So your decision should be, or your efforts should be trying to figure out where you want to go in those fields. And that will limit the number of choices you have for a programming language. So for example, AI machine learning, not every programming language is good at writing solutions in those. So you might be then limited to say Python or maybe R for data analytics and things like that. And if you're looking at web technologies, then you have options like Node.js, Ruby, PHP. So my suggestion would be for someone to think of the fields that they want to be in and spend their efforts and research into figuring out those. And that will already help you to narrow down the programming languages. Thank you. So if I would be the one who already decided to pursue either IT or computer science or software engineering now in my, let's say in the second year, and I want to specialize in a certain language, I would see which fields I like to work in. Uh, You said AI or software as a service or any other field or even Mm -hmm. a company maybe, and then check out what kind of languages are most used in those fields and then see maybe which one fits me and then start to specialize on that in case somebody doesn't know, let's say, um, which language to focus on. Correct. Thank you. That's, I like how also while listening, listeners can get so much advice from experienced people. I feel it's very valuable because in the daily life, you don't have such an opportunity unless you read a lot and and Mm -hmm. also talk a lot to people. But anyways, it's very interesting. Now I have my personal question. I always had this in my mind. Is it true that you have to be very good at mathematics to study computer science related degree? No, not really. It it obviously depends, but in most cases, no, you don't have to. Um, what you need to be good at is analytical thinking and logical thinking, and that needs to be sort of easy for you. And usually what happens is when somebody is good at logical thinking and analytical thinking, they're also good at math naturally. But when we say good at math, it doesn't mean that they're able to recite any formula that you ask them. But what it means is they have the ability to think in mathematical terms. They have the ability to see the world in a more logical sense. That is even hard for anyone to realize. So if you ask me, hey, are you a logical thinker? I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I can't easily say what it means to be a logical thinker. 
But do you have any tips from your experience? Because I can also not say, I cannot judge myself, you know, properly. Is there any way how you can maybe understand that better? Um, I, I don't know, actually. It's, it's, it's very hard for me to... Ask people around, maybe? Uh, What do you think? Am I good at logical thinking? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, maybe... So a few examples that I have seen, um, it, like, again, going back to my role models, um, who are very good at technical problem solving, they, um, the biggest quality I noticed in them is that during discussions, they're able to connect different, different arguments together. So if you're talking about, say, politics or any problems that, that are in the news, et cetera, then they're able to say, okay, but this makes sense because blah, blah, blah from the other article. Or if you're playing a board game with them, any cards game, they're able to sort of have an understanding of what is happening in the game. They're able to figure it out easily. So, but yeah, I mean, th those are extremes. Like to me, th those are really good at those, but I'm not at that stage, but I'm still able to be successful in, in the profession. But yeah, I think it's a good question. I, still, I think I still have to figure out what exactly it means to be too very good at logical thinking <laughs> for, for you to be a good professional in software. Yeah, and that's also the difficulty of actually understanding your strengths and also mm -hmm. you know, choosing a field to go Because if you say you have to be good at logical thinking, I might not even know if I'm good. I mean, you know, being having a good grade at math also doesn't mean that you are good at logical thinking. So I, th I would assume that there are a few resources online or quizzes online where you can take to see how your logical thinking is. But I think for me, the easiest thing, if you ask me an example, I mean, I can't give an example, but for me, when there is a problem that is put in front of me to solve with code, then it's somehow intuitive for me to think of, okay, these are the different uh, different things I need to do to solve this problem and then this order. So I can isolate this and this and this, and these are the different chunks that I can uh, look at and build the solutions for each of those chunks and combine them together to give the final uh, solution. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe that is, <laughs> that is something that explains it, but But yeah. you don't have to be good at math. Um, in fact, I'm not that great at math. I, as math. I want to wrap up this topic around the computer science programming related uh, questions. Maybe very, very briefly, if I'm a graduate who graduated either software engineering, computer science, informatics, I want to find a job. But when I look at the jobs, there are so many different job titles. For example, software engineer, software developer, um, architect, DevOps, uh, how do I understand which profession to go for? Do you have any tips there? Well, I think, I think it's hard for me to tell which, um, how to understand which profession to go for, but I can sort of decode what each of these professions mean. And in the end, it depends on the individual to figure out um, what their interests are. Yes, that would be great. Um, all right. So, so maybe we'll start with programmers. And... I think programmers have very clear instructions and algorithms already defined for them. And, and they usually turn these instructions into code and into programs. And they don't think anything beyond that program. They usually see like, okay, somebody is telling me to do an addition operation. Um, and they, they're telling me that they'll give me two numbers and I have to return them 
sum of these two numbers and I have to return and I have to write a function in a program and that's it. Um, that is that is being simply a programmer. This is not to say that they're, they're any less important, but in, in a bigger context, in a different company, uh, they'll have a bigger tasks for obviously, and it makes sense for them to focus on those because they will be most effective to write the programs. Um, they they can think about different use, the different uh, corner cases. They can think of different issues that will come up with, say, computer memory or disk storage and things like that. So they will be most effective in those tasks. So they will have clear instructions of, okay, this is what we'll give you. This is what we need in the end. This is how you generate this, what we need in the end. And they will turn that into a program that is the most effective program that you can ever get. And that's a programmer. And then comes um, developers. So developers are a little higher level than programmers. Sorry, higher level is the wrong word, but high level than programmers in terms of the programs. So they will be, they probably are not as good as programmers when it comes to writing the programs, but they will be almost close to how effective the programmers will be with writing programs. But at the same time, developers will also have a thinking of designing the pro designing the software itself. So taking the requirements given by say a, a lead engineer or a software engineer, and then they will turn that in, they understand these requirements, they see if they make sense, they design and develop and maintain the system. So they will make the decisions as to, okay, how the algorithm should be, how the system needs to be built, what tools they should use, what tools that they can uh, build to make this whole thing work. So for a developer, you would go to them and be like, hey, I need a, say, a calculator application. And these are a few requirements that I have. It needs to do addition operation. It needs to have multiplication and it needs to have a display on the top. Uh, this is the design for it. Um, so you figure out, you do what it needs to be done. So then they will look at the requirements, design the system and all that. Okay. So now coming to software engineers, they're now a little high level than the developers themselves. So if you remember the differences when I talked about uh, computer science, information technology and software engineering, comes into this picture as well, where when you say someone is a software engineer, their responsibilities ideally should be around gathering the requirements, figuring out resource allocation, planning of the software development um, or the project management, change request management, et cetera. So these all also fall into the responsibilities along with actual software development as well. And usually, when somebody talks about software engineers or developers, uh, they usually mean the same thing because depending on the company, the responsibilities are different. So for example, um, now me as a tech lead in, in a startup, I'm doing pretty much everything that a programmer does, software engineer does, and the developer does. So it wouldn't really make a big difference for me whether I say I'm a developer or an engineer. But if you really look at the definitions and try to understand these differences, these would be the major differences. And um, th there's also other roles that you mentioned like software architect and uh, DevOps. The software architect is someone who is um, responsible solely for deciding how the software is built in terms of different components, how they communicate with each other. So think of it as any other say civil architect where they figure out, okay, which different parts of the building 
are connected together and how they are connected. So the, looking at the blueprint, understanding how they should be working together and how they are effectively working um, and all those aspects come as responsibilities of software architects. And then comes the DevOps. Well, DevOps is sort of an abbreviation uh, or, a, or a short form of developer operations. So you, to make sense of DevOps, you should understand how the industry usually worked before um, or even now in some companies is that the software engineers or the developers build the software based on the requirements that are there. And then the whole software as a package is handed over to IT operations where, where these IT operations teams take the software um, deploy it to the production servers and make sure it's available for everyone to download or use it via web. And deploying something to production is a big process. Uh, there are a lot of things that has to happen to communicate with different services, uh, different teams, make sure everything is in order, that the tests are running, etc. So these are all the IT operations aspects. So DevOps basically is a practice that tries to combine this development and IT operations of IT operations as in getting the right tools and servers and deployment, et cetera. And DevOps tries to optimize the whole workflow where the developers still are focused on developing, uh, but the IT operations are brought closer to them. So the DevOps basically are the organizers for developers and programmers, making sure that they can do what they have to do, what they're good at. And DevOps is basically mm -hmm. organizing the environment that is running smoothly for them. Correct. Great. Thank you for explaining these different roles. I find it as a, maybe for technical people, it would be easier, but for non-technical as well, it is sometimes interesting to see these differences and to understand also in your job, right? Whenever you are, for example, working in a business unit, but your company is searching for a software developer, it's interesting to understand whom are they searching for and what will be the job of that software developer? Or when somebody introduces you, you would already know, ha, ah, okay he's doing this thing or that thing at work. Cool, so I think we extensively touched upon the studies related to your profession or a tech-related profession, different aspects of, of the profession or like different specialization inside it. I really liked it and I, I learned a lot and I hope that the listeners learned a lot as well. And we have, we are almost at the finish line of our interview. And at the end, I have basically general questions, which are not tech related, but related to you personally as, as, a, as an individual. And I might be interested in, you, are, you have a lot of working experience. And, and when you are working, especially you understand how the working world basically functions. And I am curious about how do you understand if you, if you like doing your job, if, if you, or if you don't like doing your job, do you have any suggestions on that? How young people who are starting their job maybe should get clues about that? Yeah, I thought, I thought about it a, a little bit previously uh, when, when others asked me this question as well. I think one reliable way for me to say that I like my job is um, how genuinely proud I am to talk about the work that I'm doing. And that's the biggest measure that I can think of. I mean, there are other measures that you usually come across when people say like, okay, you really like your job if you feel like that you can't wait to get to work in the morning or if you're waking up to do work or if you're not able to leave in the evening because you just want to continuously work. Well, that, that definitely could be a measure, 
but I don't think that necessarily has to be that way if you really like your job. Uh, I think work-life balance is highly important. You need to manage your stress levels, etc. So I do like my job really well, but at the same time, I try as much motivated as I am to get up in the morning to go for work. I try not to do that and not think about it that way. So I would say if you're genuinely proud of talking about what you're doing, um, and I think that's a good measure of you liking your job. Very interesting. I like it. It's it's a very new new angle you look at. And it's an additional angle how you can understand if you like your job or not. Yeah. So now, now we clarified that question. The last question that I have is, if you could go back in time and see young Vishnu, what kind of advice would you give him about career? Well, I'm not sure if I'm still at the stage where I can give advice to myself. Um, but, but if I think about it, I think I, I, I said this a little while ago that somehow it, I wasn't really aware of uh, different careers that are out there that I'm aware of now, back when I was choosing this career that I chose. Um, like say, when I was young, many careers like astrophysics, biotech, marine biologists, et cetera, those, those are never in the horizon for me. Those, I, I never had anyone who did those. I never heard anybody talking about those. So I, and when I question myself, why is it that I didn't know? Is that firstly is a social circle that I was in or the society that I was in. Um, that's my parents, my family, et cetera. And these are the things that I can't control. I was born into that society and, and that's all it is. And they did their best to make sure that I know about the things that they want me to know. However, if I was spending more time, say, reading newspapers or reading different magazines or different books, uh, talking to different people, trying to understand what they do or had access to podcasts, all those things, I think I would tell uh, myself, my younger self, that, hey, read more books uh, that are outside your academics, read newspapers, try to understand what other people are doing. In news, you usually see things like, okay, NASA has discovered this, or there's pollution that is happening. But when they're actually talking about those, they're talking about people who are telling them uh, the, the, obviously, the newspapers about these things, those astrophysics. Um, or, or astrophysicists, I mean, and uh, marine biologists are talking about how much uh, the oceans are being destroyed. So I would give myself the suggestion to decode the professions that are in there and, and try to see if that is something that you would be interested in. Maybe in the end, I would still decide doing software uh, engineering, but, but still having that awareness is something that I think I should have had back then. Great. Thank you, Vishnu. Thank you. Now you motivated me to find an astrophysicist to interview. <laughs> <laughs> Already in search for, for one. And anyways, that was my last question to you. Huge thanks for you taking your time. It's for me an honor to interview people like you who, who are leading teams, you know, who are developing products out there. And while talking to you, I learn a lot. I learn about different professions. And now I see how great it is to know about different possibilities. And 
one of those possibilities you opened to me, the basically the tech world, where you decomposed me different professions, different degrees and different studies to follow. So huge thanks from my side. Yeah, thanks to you too. Um, it was, I have been following the podcast and uh, all the interviews that you did have been really helpful for me as well. And I'm happy to add a little more value to whoever is looking out there for, for understanding these professions. And thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity. Thank you.